Good evening, friends. Welcome back to the front porch. My name is Dennis Rogers, and I am joined by Michael Daniels. How's it going, Mike? How was your Monday? Pretty good, Dennis. We had a uh, in our weather report, weekly weather report. We had uh, I was part of the great snow that came across the U.S. It was pretty pretty intense. Some photos of that. Yeah, it, it's um here that happened Friday, and it's Monday, and it's like fifty degrees here indiana and it's all melting so that's good it's actually the best kind of snow it was just a ton of just a ton dumped i looked outside almost, it wasn't a whiteout you could still see it because it was still big fluffy um snow things so it was it was just beautiful it was, it, it, it was like sticking to the to the trees and everything so everything you think of the a mo- made for movie tv wonderland uh winter wonderland that, that was definitely um what we had here in my area of the world the woods it was dangerously cold and are slippery and and cold but you know it's it was nice i like that's my favorite kind of snow is the kind that's there and then goes away after a bit so that's the way it's been here you are in texas though right that is correct so i'm assuming there is no snow there no no not even a little bit um it's uh didn't freeze last night i think it maybe got down into the high 30s um and then today about midday i got to a point where i'd open all of my windows and door and point a fan at me um because it was at least inside the camper i'm sure i've talked about this before um up into the high 70s uh but the air down here is still pretty dry like it's not arizona dry but um, still pretty dry, so the heat isn't as bad. Um, and it, it also was not warm outside. Like if I went outside, I would still want like, you know, a f- open flannel or something. Um, it's just the, the sun makes it, makes it warm. It might've gotten into the high sixties. Um, but yes, I am making my way back to Indiana for some things. Um, I'll be here all week and then, well, not all week cause I'm leaving Friday, um, to make my way across the rest of Texas. I'm on the West side of, I shouldn't say West side cause I'm sure that it's at least an hour, uh, to get to Dallas, but I'm West of Dallas. Um, and so I have to cross the rest of Texas, Arkansas, some tiny little slivers of, I don't know, Missouri, Illinois, maybe Kentucky, whatever the roads go through, uh, to get to, um, Indiana. Good old Indiana coming back over, huh? Yep. Yep. But I spent three days, uh, this past Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, um, coming across because I had to, uh, cross most of Arizona, um, a good chunk of New Mexico, and then a little over half of Texas, which took like the the Texas part was half of that drive, if not more. Oh, sure. Um, because that's that's Texas. It's humongous. You, yeah. you, you never get out of it. Um, no, no. So I went, let's see, besides the snow, um, I decided to go see a movie. I went and watched Madam Webb this weekend. And I'm not going to tear it down like a lot a lot of things could if you if you want to see the hear the tear it down 
reviews. You can go anywhere on the internet. I, I would just add to say that it wasn't a great film. Um, it felt very, and it was a lot of it was down to the writing. Just didn't make sense in any way. Had, had poor zero character development. Nothing made sense when they did things. Um, the plot was kind of nonsense and really it felt, it felt like it was, even though it's not these, this writer's first time writing, it felt like it was like they'd written in high school. They were, you know, trying to make a fanfic of something and then just had no idea how to write. So they were just learning mm -hmm. and then someone would, they take it back to their high school teacher and their high school teacher would say, this is a great effort. Now let's go through and talk about how we can make things work. Right. Um, I've, mm -hmm. I've heard some people say it felt like a first draft. Um, but that's, that's what I was going to ask. Like, is, is it like a first draft? Yeah. It, like without anyone asking any questions afterwards, he just turned it in and they're like, okay, we're filming tomorrow type thing. Um, and I mean, I've heard that about, um, um, the Phantom Menace. Sure. Right, that like, I can believe that. Yeah. Like Lu Lucas turned in his first draft and he was so, he had so much fame from the original trilogy that people were like, yeah, this is great. Let's make it. And so there's all these plot holes and inconsistencies and bad dialogue. And yeah, like this could have, could have been a good movie, but, um, it's like, it's yes. like, uh, I know we, we, we talk about the pitch meetings often, but but the pitch pitch meetings honestly probably go are longer than actual pitches. I think, I think, like in, in those pitch meeting joke uh, videos, the executive producer will often character will ask questions of the scriptwriter, and where I don't even know sometimes if they ask questions, they just like throw them an idea and say. What if we do Spider-Man with this girl and she does this thing and has, you know, give it, give an overview, no details. Right. And then the exec goes, that sounds like it could be a good movie. Make a script. Um, and that's kind of what it feels like here is that it was a, we have to keep the Spider-Man franchise. We have to figure out what we're doing. Um, clearly the Sinister Six idea is not panning out. So uh, let's do something else. And somebody said Morbius. And then well, who's another one? This uh, Madam Web, and we can throw in these other spider ladies. Um, and it's real unfortunate that the spider ladies aren't really in it. I mean, they're human or whatever they're called. The secret identities or people are are in it the whole time, but they're very annoying. All the characters are very annoying. Yeah, just just not great. But uh, there's worse. I think Morbius was worse, probably. Um, but just by a little bit, uh, not not a terrible, a lot worse. Mm. Uh, and and uh, if I try to find redeeming qualities, you know, the, sometimes you'll say that a movie's so bad it's good. I I definitely don't think that's this one. It's not. It's definitely in the squarely bad, right? I've heard that too. Yeah, I yeah, mean, it's not. Yeah, it's, it's not like a room or uh, the room or which nothing really is the room, but something even. Like we we had a memorable time watching Morbius. Yeah, right. Right. Like, we had stuff to to complain about and running joke. I mean, not complain about stuff to laugh at and running jokes for a while. And most of us fell asleep at some point, which is a funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, gag, but but not 
and I don't I don't think I would call Morbius so bad it's good either. Right, right. Um, like I remember more of the, t- and, and again, the room is a bad example. I wish I had something in between that's like it's so bad it's good, but not to the level. I don't think anything has ever um, achieved the level of so bad it's good as the room. Like it's yeah, it's just you know. Awful and, awful. and there's a um, there's a certain point to those it's bad, it's good, is when it's not intentional, right? Like it, it can't be right. intentionally bad. I and an example of that's ping pong summer. It was intentionally bad. Even though sure. for years the, the writer director was saying, No, this is supposed to be serious, and he was completely Kept, you know, trolling people. Ma- maintained uh uh kayfabe, right. as they say. Yeah, um but things like the room was intentionally supposed to be good which makes it even better you know but this one had things like things that make it bad as an example that aren't you know in the moment good i'll say uh so when someone something that's good when they walk good bad as they walk onto the to this into the scene and they'll say they'll pick up a a coaster or something and they'll make some kind of thing like man i'm sure glad i had this coaster here and they'll put a coffee cup on it and walk away it's so stupid that you just have to laugh at it right um uh- Okay. No, that's not in this thing. I'm just saying an example of something that's, <laughs> oh, okay. that's bad, but you know, um, just just nonsense. Yeah, that nonsense that you can go like that's so dumb. It's hilarious because who would write something that stupid, right? Um, mm. And then, but this one doesn't have this. This one has bad in the fact that like um, they'll set up a plot, and then you're like, oh, you know, that's gonna happen in the future, or something, and then nothing ever comes of it. So you'll wait for the film. You're like. Is that ever going to come back around? And then it just doesn't. And then you're like, well, why did they do that? You know, um, or a character comes in and you see them do something special and then they never use that special thing again. And you're like, why didn't they just jump out of that or do this or do that? You know, like it just, you just left with like, this doesn't make any sense type stuff. So, hmm. um, but yeah, that's, that's all I really want to say about it. Adam Webb is, is all the reviews that, that people have said about it. I also feel that way. And it's a superhero film. I usually give those a lot of leeway. Um, I did not sure. think that Venom was Venom two was a good film. Venom one was fine. Venom two was not a good film, but I still gave it enough that it was passable. Like 50%. Was that called let there be carnage? Well, yeah, let there be carnage. Right. Um, not, not a great film, uh, but better than this one. They're all pretty pretty low on stuff, so um, it's really unfortunate. I, Sony's just not going to do anything. I, I mean, they have not done a single thing good since maybe someone might say Amazing Spider-Man, the first one. Um, and then if you look back at the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man films, uh, really only the first and second one are okay. And the second one's gotten a lot of nostalgia factor to it, but it's not all that great either. Um and I liked it a lot at the time, but you know, they also did all the fantastic four movies, which were terrible. Um, the other right. Spider-Man movies, which were terrible. Anything that didn't have Tom Holland in it, you know, and direct or, uh, executive produced by Kevin Feige. Mm-hmm. Um, did Sony do, uh, Shazam or was that Warner brothers? That was Warner brothers. Yeah. They're, okay. they're, they're the other side of the coin or the, the third, wheel of the superhero world with dc stuff 
Um, so I'm going to change over to another comic booky thing. I just had a question for you. So X-Men 97 is coming out on Disney Plus here soon. And it's a um, continuation of the, I'll say with the word, beloved 90s X-Men cartoon. Did you ever watch any of that? I don't think so. Not actively. Like, I might have been around when some was on, but that's not something that, um, I mean, I was old enough by then that I could have watched whatever I wanted, mm-hmm. um, but it's not something my parents would have wanted in the house, and... It's still probably early enough, um, you know, that we didn't really have multiple TVs or access to cable or definitely not streaming um, stuff. So, no, I don't think so. I also missed, um, like, the the Batman animated series, though I did go back. Mm, yeah, that's a good one. I don't actually. know, five or ten years ago and, and watch some of that. Um but well, I, I, I also did not watch it. That's, that's kind of one of the reasons I asked is what, what, you know, your hmm. impression, it, it has uh, people of a certain age hit this certain window and watched it. And it was like their thing, which sure. I, I appreciate. It feels like it should have been my thing. Cause it came out in 92. Yeah. I, I graduated in 94 from high school. Uh, and I was actively reading comics in 92 uh, actively reading X-Men. Um, oh, you, you said 97. Yeah. In 92, I would not have been, I, I definitely would have been old enough to watch it. And, and I'm sure, you know, anything comic books like that, um, except for like Adam West, Batman, maybe, but yeah, well, well not, it's called X-Men 97, the new series, because they ended, I think in 97 ended in 97. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. Or, or it ended in 96, I think. Uh, maybe it was 96, 97, but, um, so yeah, the, it's kind of like continues from 97. Uh, sure. so it was, it was on for a long time. Uh, I will tell you the reason why I didn't watch it and it, and it makes not a lot of sense, it, but it was corny voices and bad animation. That's what I'm going to say, because I was actively reading these books and really big into X-Men, um, and was consuming all the stuff and they had really great artwork and it was a very kind of adult subject matter, you know, like dealing with modern day issues and, and things like that. Just, right. that's what X-Men do. Um, yeah. And I mean, not always they're you know, sometimes very comic booky. A lot of it was, um, but still it was, you know, there's love triangles and death and world destruction, things like that. Um, so, when I watched the made for kids TV show, it felt corny. Right. Sure. And I was like, I don't want anything to do with this. And, and Wolverine sounded terrible. I was like, he talks like this. And I know people who love it are yelling at the, their, their earbuds right now. I, I get it. It's beloved. When you're, you hit it, the sweet spot, you don't know a lot of stuff and it kind of comes on and you're that certain age. For me, I was just already into something that was much better and I was reading things that were the storylines they had on the show were direct translations from the comic books. And I had read them in the comic books and the art and the 
uh, writing was much better than it was on TV. Now, I've gone back and watched some of X-Men the Animated Series, and I, I feel much better about it now. I, you know, I see it perspective. I'm not a high schooler, which is you know, all stuck up and, you know, I better, I have better things, you know, to, to do, but right. Right. Yeah, and, and I, I can appreciate that. They have a, a 30 minute show that they're trying to put a big event into. It's like a, a 24 book episode or series into a 30 minutes, uh, maybe two, two episode things. So I, I, I really do now appreciate the things they've done. Um, and have and feel really good about it. So so much so that I'm going to look forward to watching the X Men '97 series, and I may go back and actually watch the old old se- uh, seasons, just to you know, because it is a it is a continuation of it. It's not a reboot or anything. Um, so it you know it's cool. I uh, I appreciate that they're redoing it and giving people their thing. But that idea of it's too corny for me also goes with the idea that. I thought comic book characters were cool. Like I was reading them and they were totally neat. Beautiful artwork. Jim Lee is still one of my favorite artists. Just super neat. And then what you see in modern media during the 90s and 80s and before is just corniness. Like Batman with the pow, biff, zam, you know, zap in the 60s and uh, Mm -hmm. things like the Spider-Man live action things where he's wearing pajamas, basically. It it was just a lot of times there, you know, modern media would be making, poking fun at it. And I felt like that's, that sucks. I want like a real, a real film of, or show of these characters because they're worth, that's very cool. Obviously we we got that today, the Marvel, the MCU, right? And when I had things like Spider-Man come out from, Toby Maguire stuff, it was like a whole new, whole new ball game. And when Batman came out, it's like, finally, they're giving us something that's taking serious and not being, you know, fun, poked fun at uh, the whole time. Um, so you'll see that when we come into the next topic too. But, and that's how kind of how I felt about the X-Men Man, animated series was they were just corny and making it more kid stuff. And all it was going to do is make everybody else think, oh, that's kid things. And I'm like, Ugh, darn it. Anyway, moving from that one, that actually goes into our movie this week, which is The Mystery Man. Let's talk about that. All right. This week we watched Mystery Men from 1999, uh, starring freaking everybody from the 90s. Right. Ben Stiller, Janine Garofalo, William H. Macy, Hank Azaria. Uh, Paul Rubens, Wes Studi, Greg Kinnear, Jeffrey Rush, Eddie Izzard, um, um, Tom Waits. Very, they feel like uh, B or C list comics from the nineties, right? They weren't the, the headliners, but they were still in the conversation. They weren't Jim Carrey's and things like that, but they were still. Maybe, they... yeah. I think I think Ben Stiller probably. Got I don't know about closest, it, right. it in in ninety nine but um yeah and and these guys are all these people are you know all for the most part very successful um um and well known some of them I was like oh, that that looked but of course this movie is twenty five years old and so I was like is that this guy or this guy like <laughs> greg kinnear 
Greg Kinnear, I would probably get confused with Bill Paxton. They probably don't look that similar, but I was like, who is that guy? He looks familiar. <laughs> well, the, I did that same thing with uh, Frankenstein, Casanova Frankenstein. And it's it's mm. uh, Jeffrey Rush from, uh, a lot of people know him from the Pirates of the Caribbean uh, series. Right. And Barbosa. Barbosa. And I was like, who is that? And not, not till like the mm. last final battle was like, oh, that's who that is. Uh, and figured yeah, that out. Yeah, I, I have to, I have to pull up IMDb when I see that stuff otherwise it'll distract me from <laughs> from the movie uh like, this guy looks so i had i've never seen this film before i know you you had it's on it's on the list there i i watched it once like in the early aughts probably like 2001 or two with a couple friends at the time and we we quoted something from this probably not much maybe maybe some of the the west studio lines um tack hammer balance attack stuff mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, um i i will say and I, i'm glad i did the x-men 97 thing before this is that i watched this the beginning opening scene twice i've seen that twice and turned it off both times afterwards for the same reason i said about the x-men stuff when it when it came out i was like man i want a real superhero comic book translation into a film and this is just making fun of that and i thought man remember we didn't have a lot of of you know comic book good comic book movies we did have x-men i believe at the time and spider-man was out so we started to have some things but then they put this out and i'm like it just kind of kept feeling like they're just going to keep making fun of the genre the whole time Uh, i can't I can have a thick skin about it now because it's silly. It's now an accepted genre. But back then, it was like anything we us fans could do to try to get this genre, you know, working. And then you'd get more um, visibility and press from the things that poke fun of it than the actual ones. Uh, so yeah. I would well, see this, this and be like, no, I'm done with this, which is stupid. I'm, yeah, I'm saying it's stupid I don't, now, you know. I don't think this one got a lot of... of- of acclaim or press but uh you you left off an important uh movie that came out two years prior to this okay can you can you can you guess in 97 yeah uh well i'm not sure what was it batman and robin oh batman and robin yeah see yes that's yes it, it just kept yeah. getting cornier and cornier and they kept doing that kind of stuff very very good point out um that was right on time with you know, Mr. Freeze was before Batman and Robin even. And it's like, oh, my God, this is just getting bad. And they're making Hollywood's not taking it seriously again. Um, they they were full of just Sonys like we see with, you know, Madam Web type stuff. They just don't know what they're doing. They just don't have any connection to the things. But I said that I wanted to preface that with with this whole conversation because that's silly. This is supposed to be jokey. It's it's basically it's just a Ben Stiller um it's superheroes Ben Stiller style, right? Like all his movies are kind of like this. And I was like, oh, yeah, okay, that, that's okay. Once I kind of just I immediately quickly accepted that real early, like first five minutes, I was like, okay, cool. That's what this is and just have a fun time with it. And I liked it. You know, it was, I like it just like I like Ben Stiller movies. They're not the best thing in the whole wide world with maybe the exception of Walter Mitty. Um, he, you know, they're, they're just fun. Right, Zoolander, uh, Night at the Museum, yeah, I mean, stuff like that. I mean, over over half the cast are known 
for comedy. Like exactly, you, you right. know, Ben Stiller, Janine Garofalo. I mean, freaking Pee Wee Herman is in here. Yes, and he has and, fart powers, uh, right? And he has fart powers, and and um, and Kel Mitchell, the opposite of of Keenan Thompson from Keenan Kel, right? Like the 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 Nickelodeon kids uh, version of SNL. Yeah. Um, just a lot of a lot of uh, comedy actors. It, it's um, it's the fear. It's the uh, what I might call the Big Bang Theory fear. It's it's the uh, oh we're we're mm. we're laughing with the the geeks. No, you're not. You're you're laughing at them. But trying to pose that you are laughing, but but that that's what I thought. That's not what this is. The the no, this is definitely just a comedy, and with superheroes, it's just funny and goofy with superheroes. It's not. It's none of that whatsoever, which made me really really like it. I mean, not like a ton, but I I liked it and, and laughed and enjoyed the the, the jokes um, and the inv- variable ending that was going to happen. It was going you know they're all going to kind of come together at the end and do their superpowers and it was fun. I, I, I enjoyed it. Um, and then it, when it starts getting more absurd, I liked it even more. Um, like the last fight when he uses the, the fingernail to fight with. Yeah. Like, see, yeah. that's, that's perfect. Like, see, that's excellent. Cause it's just, just so funny. Yeah. And it's, it, it feels self-aware. Uh, yes. Right. Like Very it's, you know, they're, there are moments of sincerity, but they're they don't last too long. It's not like the old no. Fantastic Four movie, the first one, which is the only one I've ever seen. Um or I don't know, maybe maybe some of those not Batman and Robin, but like you know, uh the second Keaton movie, yeah, uh, Batman Returns, or something like that where like they they still have this kind of absurd, goofy, comic-y kind of um, vibe, but then the writing is all, like, taking itself very seriously. Yes, right. Um, where th- this this one felt much more like, as it, as it wove back and forth between it, you know, braided this kind of, like, sincerity and absurdity and just back and forth um felt it all felt very intentional yeah for sure um the they even do this uh where they have kind of a thoughtful moment or they said not a serious moment but a little bit and then they then they play it into the joke too for example spoiler sorry a little bit here when the fury guy ben stiller kind of gets his fury quenched in, in the in the show mm-hmm. um and then that's kind of a tender ish moment but it doesn't like you said it doesn't last long it's very very short and quick but nice um but then it then the rest of like the next 15 20 minutes is them trying to get him out of that kind of reignite his fury right. type thing which was great Trent, trying it, to make him mad yeah it was all, all played up for fun and lots of jokes and so it, even when they had a little bit of a serious moments they were aware of it and got right back into the comedy type stuff so yeah I, I liked it. Liked the bad guy jokes are are goofy. Um, all of the the heroes are pretty great. I think there's yeah. I I liked the you you spend most of the movie or at least the whole first half like wondering whether any of them have any powers. 
<laughs> right. Or if they're just weird guys in suits. Especially um, the like the invisible boy. Right. Like, right. You're I, like, oh, th- this this is another gag. Yeah, which right. which was great how they I mean, that's how a lot of that stuff was, right? Like the the gag about he he he, he he's only invisible when no one's around and he can't even see himself cuz as soon as he sees himself, he 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 becomes visible again. And he's just like, I could right. just feel that I'm invisible, which, you know, that's just a great thing. Um, another one was, I like the fact that they, they say that it was the blue Raja. Was that his name? The blue. Yeah. And he never wears blue. Right. <laughs> he, he never wears blue. And I was, I was distracted by that early on because it's like, you know, it's Indian, right? I'm like, what? It, he's not only is he white, but he's a white guy doing an, a British accent like he's not even really British and he's playing like the you know he's he's cosplaying as you know one of the the British like imperialist you know colonizers who occupied India for all that time it's like oh it's really kind of problematic like they wouldn't they wouldn't dare to do that I mean there are a lot of things about this movie they wouldn't dare to do now 25 years later but then there's a point in the movie where they address it. Like he keeps trying to explain. He's like, well, actually there's, you know, cause there, I'm sure there were at the time English, uh, people who had that title because of the, you know, all the sort of messed up stuff that happened with that occupation, but occupation is probably not the right word for that. But, um, but there's still like, again, that level of self-awareness, like, and when you know the other guys are like just a little bit of blue like anywhere like you know what <laughs> yeah. yeah just just a little bit you know that 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 guy's thing see this is why i give past me such such a hard time because i just turned it off twice after the dumb opening thing and mm-hmm. never gave them a chance to you know bring the real the real humor into it yes that when they're showing their goofy spoon powers and shovel man and fury things is goofy but it's really good when they start doing the, the gags like you know he, he he does he can't even use a knife and he, he steals he's stealing his mom's silverware and he doesn't speak right. with the english accent and like this now this gets just keeps getting better with the the gags so i i yeah. silly that i didn't give it more of a chance and Oh, sure. I, I really enjoyed it. It was it was quick. It didn't feel like it was a long film at all. It just kind of kept going and did its little things, did its jokes, and then had the final finale showdown, and then it was over. And you're like, mm-hmm. that, that, that was good. It's exactly what, what it needed to be. N- nothing more, nothing less. So I, I know it's not a, a big review, but for me, I'd give it a thumbs up, and I'd say it's a it's a goofy fun time. Uh, who would watch it? Anyone who likes anything Ben, ben Stiller's done. I know he's not the only character in this, but it feels like his movie and his kind of movie. So hmm. if, if you like Night at the Museum or uh, Zoolander, then you'll like this one, I think. Uh, what, was it uh, as good as you remember it from the one time that you watched it? Um, I think so. I mean, I never rewatched it, so it obviously didn't stand out as like a fantastic, um, sure, of right. course, this was the same couple of guys that I watched, uh, the Lost in Space movie with, and we quoted stuff from that too. So 
Oh the, yeah. The bar was pretty low. Um, <laughs> the bar was pretty low. Yeah. I, I think I'd agree with that Ben Stiller assessment. I would also say, um, I mean, Jeanine Garofalo carries a lot in this, in this as well, but she, she does. Um, she's actually the best one, I think in the whole thing. Yeah. If you, if you are old enough to have seen a lot of those superhero movies in the nineties, um, as we said, the almost, excuse me, almost all four of the, um, the pre Nolan Batman movies, uh, the two Michael Keaton's, the, the Val Kilmer and the awful George Clooney, Mm -hmm. Batman and Robin. Um, some of the, I think this is pre, we hadn't gotten the, the X-Men yet. The, the, um, Hugh Jackman. Right. Um, so those movies were well past Adam West, uh, at that point. But what, what else am I, thinking of from the 90s um, i mean there was spider-man right was he i think the toby mcguire spider-man he came in the 90s right no because because the, they changed they had to change the first movie after 9-11 oh okay so that's that's later because it originally they were going to do a thing like with webs between the between the twin towers to catch a helicopter in or something and they had to like cut all of, I mean it, that might have just been a trailer but at the same time like that's that's after it's it's after 2001 yeah so um, right in there so yeah it was just like the batman stuff we had superman from the 70s and 80s you know those were older yeah yeah i don't i don't know and it's funny it's funny that there would be this sort of um what um this sort of superhero kind of parody film um in an era with with so few relative to now um superhero films um there are also elements of like like greg kinnear's character has a little bit of like the boys stuff going on where he's he's very corporatized like he's his his suit looks like a looks like a nascar driver's suit with right with sponsors all over him (laughs) Um, and stuff, but I think, I think if you, and probably a few movies that came after this, but around that era of like, um, very colorful, very stylized, um, um, movies, I think you'll find enough to appreciate in this film, in this film. There's a lot of good, absurd comedy, um, but also the characters are real, Right, there are no Norse gods or <laughs> yeah, sure, um, or aliens. It's they're they're more like James Gunn kind of characters. Yeah. Um, um the, you know and, what? This film needs to come yeah. out today. Like this would do, <laughs> it would do really great today, don't you think? Like, well, with all the superhero I, I, things that are coming out all over the place, and then like people saying, "Oh man, they're just not doing good. It's terrible stuff." You can have a jokey thing making fun of all of them right now would be great mm-hmm. so yeah uh and if they just rebooted it and launched it i would i would definitely go watch it and make and i think all things. i think i think people occasionally try to do stuff like that like with the boys and yeah. um i don't know not heroes that's that was too long ago but and and the, there's always like it's either too 
it either takes itself too seriously or has too much cynicism, right? Like I, I really enjoyed the boys, but it's so cynical. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. That's, it's not really, um, not really comparable. It's funny. You said, this. you said heroes. I, one thing I did this week, I was, Oh, I was, I was at Lowe's and I had to wait for somebody to, I was doing some kind of a quote for something and I needed to wait for, the person at Lowe's to get back from lunch. So I said, Oh, I'll, I'll go get something. So, but kind of next door ish, there is a half price books, a really big half price bookstore. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. um, I, I've got, a, I'd always go into half price books and, and either find old DVDs or, uh, like forgotten realms books. Those are my things. I'd always go to half price books for, but I've got oh, all sure, the, sure. all the forgotten realms books I want and I don't need to buy DVDs anymore. Right. So I don't really go there, but the parking lot was full and I was, and there's just people coming in there and walking over. It's like, what is going on here? So I had time to kill and went inside and they had everything in the store is $1, like everything. They're just clearing it out for, you know, once a year. I was like, Oh, cool. And it's a big store. So yeah, with tons and tons of movies as well. Like just, they have Blu-rays and, and movies and they even have comic books and stuff. So I bought a ton of, of old comic books, image comic books and, um, mm. and some other things, but I bought, um, they had seasons of TV shows, right? Box sets, box mm-hmm. sets. Right. And they were $1 cause they were one piece. Um, so I bought like the first three seasons of 24 cause I, I watched them when they came out and they were only good okay. for one or two seasons. And I thought, why not sure. three bucks? All right. Uh, but I sat and pulled down heroes season one and season two and was like, should I buy these? And then I was like, no, <laughs> no. Even for no. $1, they weren't worth me watching again. So yeah, j- my... just that ranked them for me pretty hard. I forget. I don't I don't know if I watched all of that show, but it was one of those. Um, I was talking to our buddy Fox earlier today about Heroes. I don't remember how we got onto Heroes. Oh, we were talking about the... Um, the live action Avatar The Last Airbender, mm, which coming out soon. I have not been following that news because I never saw the M. Night Shyamalan film. I watched about half a season of the Disney cartoon and um, couldn't get into it. It's too, too written for kids that first season. Yeah. Um, just didn't, didn't, didn't click for me. And so I've not been following the news and he, he was saying that they were going to start watching it. And I, I went, Oh, I just assumed it was a movie. I did not realize it was a series. And that got us talk because it's Netflix. They're dropping it all at once. We yeah. got into the binge versus week to week release conversation. We were talking about lost. And I remember heroes being a little bit like lost where it was, you know, I mean, I know that Lost wasn't the first time this happened, but when Lost happened, it was, for me, I was the right age. I was out of college and the internet was pervasive and pervasive is too negative word, um, (laughs) uh, widespread enough, um, that, you know, people could get online, there'd be forums. I'm sure all that stuff existed for like, I don't know, X-Files and Buffy and stuff before that, that I didn't, I didn't get into for one reason or another. Um, but Lost was one where I was in it and 
I would talk to my friends when I saw them, you know, in, in, in person and I would go on forums and people would screenshot the things when the walls come down in the hatch and the show, all this stuff on the countdown timer and all this. And you're like, what is this? What's it going to be? You know, the <laughs> kind of, kind of thing. And heroes was not to that extent, but I remember when it started and we would, I was working for Trotsky at the time. And so some of us got together to watch an episode. We didn't do it all season. I don't think, but we did it a couple times. And I said several times, I'm like, there, I, I would not have worded it, worded it as concisely as this at the time, but I said, they made the stakes for season one too high. Oh, yeah. Like, like something is going to blow up like a nuke in Times Square or whatever, like in New York, and and they have to save the cheerleader to save the world, right? That, or, <laughs> that's that's the thing. Right? That That's the thing. You, you said, said the, the words. Thing. Yeah. And I was like, okay, so this goes one of two ways. Either they fail and the world ends, which isn't going to happen, or they succeed. They've saved the world from a nuke going off in New York. And then what? What is season two going to be? Right. Like, the, and I was like, it was like the... Um, I don't remember if, if I'm, conf you know, conflating these timelines, but it's like when Gears of War 2 came out. Okay. And the, and the Penny Arcade guys were like, Gears of War had guns with chainsaws on them. <laughs> like, what, what can we do that's cooler than that? We already did the coolest thing we could think of. <laughs> right. And the, that's how season one of Heroes felt to me, even as it was airing. I was like okay yeah you i mean that's cool or like the alternative is maybe they get through the whole first season and don't resolve that cheerleader nuke i don't know if those were the same if those were connected but the like is the nuke gonna go off and like that still doesn't happen and and it ends up dragged out and they didn't do that but that wouldn't have been good either just like yeah that would that would have been another lost. Like at some point, you have to resolve this. Um, well, that that was some of the things but, I remember. Yeah. The feeling of heroes was that they didn't resolve a lot, and it just kept right. continuing on. And it felt like you were just being yeah. dragged along on this no answers tour, which was exhausting. And I watched it yeah. through. Season one was exhausting because they did not solve anything. And they, right. it was just kind of like, oh, cliffhanger after cliffhanger after cliffhanger on the things. And then they end one on a cliffhanger and you're like, oh, my God, I'm tired of this. You didn't even give us anything for a season finale. And then season two was just continued on with that. And you're like, you're just not going to give us anything that we can enjoy. And almost except for the with the exception of Hero, like the character Hero, mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. all of them did not like or want their powers, which is the worst kind of superhero thing I think to watch, you know, like mm. you have fantastic, amazing powers. You're in, indestructible and can lift a, a, a bus. And like, I don't want these powers. You're like, Oh my God, I hate you. I hate all about you. You know? <laughs> um, and then, man, I, I forget that that series is where we got Zachary Quinto. That's right. Zach for, for was it Siler Spock. or something like that? Yeah. Siler. And, and then, you have the one guy who has like super cool, like the time travel power hero again. And then mm -hmm. they don't let him use it ever. And he can't, can, he can't control or use it. I'm like, 
you that's the same thing you said about like you've already blown your biggest thing like the guy has time travel powers if you just take a moment to think about having the ability to travel through time that means you are the most powerful thing ever like there is no there's nothing more powerful than that and they gave it to this guy right away i'm like wait he can just save the cheer if they don't save the cheerleader he can just go back in time and save her again you know there's it's just yeah it's the it's the it's the star trek transporter teleporter problem yeah transporter. just yeah just teleport him off everywhere so yeah and they always had yes exactly with the teleporter thing too is that they always have to have a reason there's always some kind of reason why the teleporter can't save them right and that's the same thing there's hero was never able to do anything cool because he kept they, his power kept messing up or they couldn't you know something would go awry where he couldn't do it and like this show just sucks. And it was just a bunch of frustration. So much show, so that I wouldn't pick it up for a dollar even. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm turn that chapter in my life. Sometimes I'd have that. Maybe I should go back and watch it with different, fresh, older eyes now. Like, no, nope, I don't even want to uh, pass. Yeah. I remember um, to, to go back to heroes for a second. Um, they talked about it once a couple years ago on Roderick on the line. And I think, I think Merlin watched it, but John hadn't. And the people online or, or even probably some of his friends who did watch it were like, oh, I think it's, it's still worth watching if you, you know, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like you, you kind of know. And, and I feel like maybe if you've never seen it and you would probably already know by this point that the, that the ending doesn't live up to the hype and you could binge it, right? You're not watching it over five plus years however, right, yeah. however long it took in in real life like maybe you could fil- still find something to enjoy out of it but he was like he was like no don't come at me and say it's still worth spending dozens of hours uh watching something where the the people who made it didn't have a plan right, right yes and like okay yeah that's and um I forget how that was part of my conversation with Fox too. We were talking about JJ Abrams and I don't remember how we got there, but um, it was, it was one of those because, you know, he helped create that and he wasn't involved for very long. And so I was like, Oh, I don't know if I could blame him for what happened with that show or not. And I think even for the writers, even for Lindelof and Q's like, um, I think, you know, to, to, to be, um, what generous to them. I think it got out of control for them. Like it it became so popular that the network, which I think was NBC, um, right. Like, you know, made them keep doing more seasons and they never had a better answer than, it was really purgatory all along and it wasn't, it wasn't really all along. Like, but you know, the, the whole, not the whole, but a major component of that series success and, and hype was the question, right? The what's in the box. Yes. And so they couldn't, they couldn't tell people what was in the box, but Mm -hmm. everybody was trying to guess. And so they had to say like, no, it's not purgatory when it really was purgatory, but they couldn't, when somebody guessed, they couldn't say yes because then you know they'd lose a big part of that 
that that's height. In the box stuff, yeah. Um, that, that's another series, by the way, yeah. that that was there at the the bookstore that I did not get was lost. I was sure. Like, yep. I'm 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 done. I'm just good on knowing that they're not going to give you any answers. You know, at, at, for right. for many many seasons, which is. And they always answer, and if they give you an answer, it's it's answering a question with a question, you know. Right. Oh, who who are the people? You find the you know on the other islanders. You find the other islanders, the and others. then the others, and then they have questions about who they are, or they don't know, or then you're just like, it's just one question after one question without ever solving yeah. any questions. If if they ever answered a question, it was by raising three new questions. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, not. Nah. Not not a fun time, something I would recommend. So, um, passed on that one. I, I said I did pick up twenty four. Um, surprisingly, I didn't have any of the How to Train Your Dragon films. I can't believe I didn't. Mm. And because I went to, I know that How to Train Your Dragon four is coming out, and I remember that those films are actually very good. Um, now the, the the cartoon series, which my kid watched, uh, is you know fine. Uh, but the actual films are really good films, but I hadn't seen them forever. And I wanted to watch them again before the new movie comes out. And then you can't stream them anywhere. You have to like buy them all. I was like, Oh really? Mm. Um, <laughs> so I went ahead and they were there. So I bought them all for a dollar and, and they were on Blu-ray so I can, I can now watch them again. Thanks. Uh, yeah. So that was my uh, unexpected fun time. Uh, what else did I do? I played a game called Vault of Dragons. I've owned for about a year now. Um, who makes Vault of Dragons? Um, it's a D&D themed game uh, made by Gale Force 9. Uh, or okay. what kind of game is this? I played it with Bill. We played it two player. It took a little bit longer than I would have liked. I'd say two hours. Um, and it's it's kind of a worker placement game, area control worker placement, where you have a city of Waterdeep, and the theme is is that there is you take control of a uh, a bad guy guild, like a thieves guild or a monster guild or a band of criminals, something like that, or drow, and you're in Waterdeep, mm-hmm. and you want to go down to into the dungeons and find the vault of dragons and get the dragon horde from it. That's the goal, and uh, there are. I think nine, no, there's 12 places, like locations that are cards or square and that you build a grid on in Waterdeep. And each, each of them, just like Lords of Waterdeep, gives you something for go there. You put your, you have a, a, a guy, you put it down on the thing and you can activate that space and get the resource, right? Um, and then you have to pay a certain amount of resources to go and fight in the dungeons and you fight the dungeons, you get magic items, which further increases your abilities to finally unlock the, the, the last one. And whoever can do that first wins all the while you're, you're competing for the area control. Like, Oh, I really want that resource on that cube space, but somebody else gets it first. So you have to kind of fight them. And there's the watch that comes around the, the city watch and they'll, they'll chase you off if you fight too much. So, Overall, it was a pretty fun game. It's a good worker placement game. But with two players, it still took a long time, even if there was learning. Um, we'll play it probably again. I know we both, when we were done with it, said that we would we liked it enough and that we would want to play it again. So that's a good good thing. Uh, we'll play mm-hmm. it at ICG Con, which is coming up here real soon. And um, 
we will see how other people play. We might pay three or four players. I think it pays up to four um, and see how it goes. But now that now that we know how to play it and how to teach it, maybe that'll cut down on some, some of the time too. And you're playing villains? Yeah, you're kind of playing villains. It's the sure. Drow, Monsters, Thieves Guild, and then some there's other a, faction. There's at least one anime like that where it's yeah. like the 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 main boss and i forget how it's set up it's probably an isekai where like he was a normal guy in japan and then woke up in a fantasy world as the like skeleton king or whatever of the of the dungeon and there's actually a new series i need to get back to that's kind of the same thing where the guy like he's not bad but he becomes like this corpse god in a fantasy world and then it's reverse isekai so something happens to him and he wakes up in the real world um and still has sort of some of his magic but um yeah those series are interesting to me um some something that's really neat about one one location in uh the forgotten realms called Waterdeep, and there's several games based in Waterdeep, is that Mm -hmm. it's a it's a big city like a D&D themed large city but it has a, a tavern town. It, the town was founded on top of an opening to a gigantic dungeon right that goes like sure. way down and it's huge and it's, it, it connects to the underdark which is really really big and so they built the town around it and this big tavern right on top of the portal and the, and the tavern's called um, the yawning portal and mm. all adventurers come here and they drink and they have things. And they all get together. They find parties and groups and they all go down. Uh, they pay passage to the innkeeper to go down right. into the the dungeon, into the Underdark type stuff. And mm-hmm. it's kind of, it's guarded at the entrance. So monsters aren't going to come up and come through it. And it's always full of lots of adventurers who, if monsters did try to come up through there, they'd attack them, which would be a terrible place to come. Kind of like coming out in the police station after you rob a bank type thing. Um, sure. So monsters avoid it, but it's it's a nice, good D and D place where you can meet other adventurers type stuff. If you're playing, you start off your adventure and you just want to go down into a dungeon crawl. Um, so, I think that's a neat idea that somebody had made for um, a, like a, a a tavern type stuff. It's just a gigantic well in the middle of the of this big tavern. It's it sounds like Deep Space Nine to me. <laughs> it's the jumping off place to the uh the gamma quadrant like like they found a portal and they built this town and this and this inn on top of it to yeah charge tolls for people to to get into it sounds like something that like i can see how you make it make sense in universe yeah but it but it also is very convenient mechanically for players yes yes obviously that was probably the biggest reason that it became so big in D but um, and then, and then you get to like come out. It's just so great. Cause you, if you're playing D and D, you get to either say, we're going to start in the yawning portal and we're going to do dungeon stuff, or maybe there's some political stuff in this big town and you go outside of the tavern and come back down. It's just like everything in one spot. Right. Right. So like you said, mechanically and, uh, role play wise or whatever. So it's, it's a pretty big, big spot. And I, and there's a lot of games that take advantage of it. Uh, when you play, Neverwinter, the MMO, it it has you can go to the Yawning Portal, which is a really big area, and go to a whole Underdark area. There's 
this game that so when you're in water deep before you can go to the dungeon you have to go to the yawning portal and then that's how you get into the dungeon in that game uh, so yeah it's it's a neat little idea and this game works with the mechanic really well like it gives or sorry the theme you do feel like you're doing stuff in the city to get resources gold and money and magic and you're stealing stuff because you're thieves right to try and get gear to go to the dungeons to get the really good good loot so it it does a good job of it i i feel all right um i'll I'll report back if i feel that the length is any better um one more game that i wanted to talk about man i could go on forever about this one but i really don't want to it's called dune imperium it's kind of like the new hotness it's out right now um for board games i i uh kibitzed on you guys while you were Right, you were playing that because I, brief I, I know if I was going to get into all this on my travel talk, but the the battery on my camper went dead Mm -hmm. the first day, and I was staying at a place um, where I didn't have electricity, and so I had what what charge my laptop had, and I had my phone, but then I saw. I think you and Trotsky were on the same because you were at his house. You were on the same discord yeah thing but you and and chris captain chris were were on discord and i was like what are these guys doing on here <laughs> on a friday night um and, the, and so i jumped in and made jokes about the spice while you were playing while we're playing it this this game you're about to describe we had played it last tuesday the actual physical copy uh trotsky has gotten got the physical copy and we played it with me trotsky and pat and mm-hmm. it lasted way too was it just was it just the three of us just yes just three of us it was way too long uh, i think we got done at one thirty in the morning started at nine or eight thirty nine. is this a deck building game uh yeah without going on the mechanics yes it's it's a deck but there's a deck okay. building game where you um in a round it's it's combat worker placement and and deck building so that's that's one of the big things about it it's got all three of those components oh, to it that's yeah, that's a lot. It it, it kind of is. So you have you have your cards, your starter deck, and I'm just going to give a quick. I'm not getting any specifics here. You have a starter yeah. deck, and let's say there's colored locations. Again, see people might know Lords of Waterdeep when I say worker placement. You've got spaces on the board that you can go to, and if you go to that space, you get the resource that's on it, right? Like spice, for example, in Dune, or money, or water, right? Um, other spaces, if you go there, it increases your your reputation with a certain faction just by going there, right? And sure. the, the goal of the game is to get 10 victory points. Whoever gets the 10 wins. Or uh, or there are 10 rounds. That's, that's the game. 10 rounds, it ends, or 10 victory points. Um, so you get, you have your cards. The cards will say like, oh, this is a blue card or this is a yellow card, which means you can play it and go to a yellow space and get that reward. Um, and then that's the top half of the card. It tells you where you can go. And the bottom, and then you can only go to two. Like just like Lords of Waterdeep, you only have so many meeples that you can put out on spaces. And this mm-hmm. game only has two, so it's very restrictive. Um, and you have five cards. So the three that you don't use, it has a bottom thing, which basically is oftentimes is money. So once you are done, you take the the cards that you didn't play and you use them for money to buy new cards so that you can play out in new places. 
and they're better than the other one. So it won't be just go to a, a blue space. It'll be go to a blue space and make another space, get a free water or something, you know, for going there. And, and they work with each other. So it's got that deck building and worker placement type stuff. Um, and then there's a combat mechanic. So one of the resources you'll get is like armies or in the physical copy, there's sandworms. And you can go down and if I put two armies on the board and Trotsky has three armies, then he wins. It's just number of armies wins type thing. Okay. Um, and obviously there are also some cards. You go to space, you get what Lords of Waterdeep people might know as intrigue cards. So I can play them and they do like, oh, it's secret. And when we tally up combat, you get three more combat armies for just this combat type thing. Mm-hmm. So um, it's very straightforward from that standpoint. Like, that's is the crux of the game, the, the whole gist of the game. Some of the problems it runs into and the reason it took us all so long is that it suffers from analysis paralysis. You, you, you mm. sit there and go, where should I go? And you don't always have a clear goal to get to. You've, you draw your cards and that's where you can go. But unlike like... Lords of Waterdeep, you know you have a quest card and it tells you get three orange cubes, three two black cubes, or whatever. You know where you need to go. This is more like there's a whole bunch of ways to get victory points on the board. And mm. so it's like, well, they, they took that one, so maybe I go here and then there next time, and then this one to get that one. And then, and then it comes around back to around you again, like, oh, Pat took that space, so now I can't do that one. And it, it's just a lot of analysis paralysis with that game. Um, sure. So it's good. I like it a lot. I really do. I like the mechanics of it, but it's just, it's a lot. It took us a lot. So it is on it, steam. It as probably well. doesn't help if you have a, if you have a, a, an observer not watching the game, but just <laughs> hanging out and telling stories and, and making jokes about Paul and the spice <laughs> the, uh, the, while, while you're trying the, to make the fair decision. thing with that one is where i lead into this one is that it, it's on steam too that's the other side we play the physical copy but there's a digital version on steam that you can buy for like 20 bucks mm-hmm. maybe a little overpriced but it's it's fine um and it's yeah, a really good a digital high. implementation it's actually like this is the second version of this game it's the first version and I actually think it's much better more streamlined and here's the thing you're talking about with uh you talking and chatting with us is that the game on the digital version has a 90 second timer and to take your turn, right? Which forces us to actually do stuff in a timely manner. Um, so yeah, I I forgot that a couple of you like lost, lost some stuff because you couldn't make a decision. Yeah, It automatically takes your turn for you and it's usually not a optimal thing to do. Sure. Um, Sure. But it's, uh, that's good though. It, you know, it makes us play with it as Chris says, play fast, make mistakes. And mm-hmm. and we uh it, it's fine. I, I like a ninety minute timer. It almost I, makes me I, wish we I, had I put, one in real life. Yeah, I I I think that with a lot of board games when people have and and I do it sometimes, um, but it's I don't know, for whatever reason I have an easier time getting into the like um like caring less about a game. I yeah. Hit, I hit a point where I'm like, sure, I'm just going to do this. It's probably not optimal, but I don't care. And I don't have the, I don't have the patience to sit here and try to, and that's not always true. I definitely do that sometimes, but when I'm playing with 
uh, some of our friends who are more prone to that analysis paralysis, especially like if somebody's winning and they're still taking like 20 minutes to take a turn. Yeah, right. I'm like, can we get a kitchen timer in here and, and speed this along so we can get to the point where you win and we can the rest of us can go play something else. I, I'm, I'm with you. That, that's kind of how I was at the end of, and I rarely get where I'm checked out of a game. I mean, I, I can for sure, sure. but I was yeah, checking yeah. out at the end of that one, Dune Imperium, the board game, because it was like midnight. We still had another hour, hour and a half left. I mm. was not in the running at this point. Right. And I was just so tired and exhausted and, we were playing with three people, myself included, who are analysis paralysis prone. We really overthink right. everything. Um, mm-hmm. And that's – we actually enjoy playing with people like that. But for the reason that you just said, in times when you are tired or and you're not engaged and you don't feel like you even have a chance, it's terrible, right? Um, and that's how I felt with Dune yeah. Imperium. I was laying on the floor thinking like just take your turn so I could take my turn and move on type thing uh so that's not a shining review of the game um but that's because of time and analysis paralysis which actually these days i really appreciate games that are simple and straightforward they can be complex and have a lot of a lot of thought to them but limiting your actions you know making sure things straightforward help speed games up a lot more yeah i mean that's that's what i always that's what I always say about Ticket to Ride because the my gateway game into into new games was Settlers of Catan, mm-hmm. um, which is you know we could have a whole conversation about that. But in that group of friends, which was before I came to Bloomington, we had one guy who always took the longest turns, and you have that in Catan. You'll have resource resource shortages or whatever, but it has trading. So, you know, the rest of the table just sits there while this one guy, like, he really, really needs wheat. And nobody is going to give him any wheat because he's winning or because none of them have any. Yeah. And so he'll go around, like, one person at a time. Like, I'll give you a wood. And mm-hmm. they're like, no, I'm not going to trade you one-to-one. It's like, all right, how about how about two brick? They'd probably not do that because brick is rare, but yeah. whatever. And, like, no, no, what about you? What about, what about you? But, and not, like... I'm telling it faster than I would like. He would sit there and think for a while and like, yeah. well, what about what, you know, do you, do you have, do you have any wheat? I, I'll give you, what, what about, what about a sheep and a wood? And like, that just goes on and he'll get back to somebody he already offered a trade to. And I'm like, they still don't have any wheat. Just, just go oh, move on. Be, yeah. Be done. You're not going to get to build that this turn. Like l- let, let's, let's get on with it. And we would joke that like, um, because uh, his name started with a J, we're like, we're like, where's that, where's that J limit timer? Where's that little pull the egg timer out of uh, <laughs> so, so one of the, you know, because a couple of those games, um, I forget what game now, but some games have a little egg timer in them. And like, get that timer out here so we can, we can keep this, keep this moving. And by contrast, um, Ticket to Ride can still have that a little bit. But you can only do one thing on your turn. So, you know, you just decide, like, are you going to pick those cards or those? And, you know, maybe you take a second to decide, like, which color do I want to go for? Do I want to take a chance drawn off the deck? But it that still is a fraction of the time 
that a that a long like desperately trying to trade uh Catan turn can take. Yeah, for for sure. And and those are just exasperating when you're on the other side of that. So yeah, any, anything that can speed that kind of stuff up is or get rid of it altogether. Some of our friends really like that part where they're doing diplomacy and talking and bartering forever. And it's like, mm. uh, it's just, you know, for everybody else not involved, it's, it's very exasperating. Um, yeah. So yeah. I, I feel like I spent too much negativity on Doom Imperium. It is a fun game. It's got good mechanics, but it is a longer game. And it says, I think, 90 minutes or two or maybe uh, 120 minutes. That's our Pat. Our buddy Pat said, if you're playing with at Gen Con with people who play this all the time and you sit down and play with those people, it'll take two and a half hours. So right. That's, that's the thing. Now it, we did time the, the online game and it took an hour and a half to play it on steam. And that's with the 90 right. second time per player timer with, the, with three with players the, with the turn time. And, and it was the earlier version. So it didn't have as many options to it. There's Oh, interesting. Uh, the, the way uh, this one is, it's called Dune Imperium. And then there's just a Dune one, like a version one. People always are recommending Doom Imperium over the first one. And that's because Doom Imperium is basically Dune with an expansion. Instead of like making an expansion to it and adding to the board, they just came out with another version and had all the expansion stuff together. Mm, so, interesting. but it's more fun without the expansion stuff. If you haven't played it at all, you don't need all that extra stuff. It just adds more complexity to it. So, yeah. Right. That makes sense. Beh. Meh. Not, not, my, <laughs> not my, not my thing. Uh, any, Oh, you know what we forgot to do? We did mystery men. We didn't pick a movie of the week. Oh, it is my turn. And and now you can go back to picking things from your list cuz I picked that I picked that from your list. You you picked one off my list, yeah. Um hmm. Why don't we traveling again? So it's a short I I should save one of these really terrible ones for next weekend and we'll watch it at at ICG. <laughs> ICG. Not next the following weekend. Um, let's see, this is on streaming. Can do like, uh, well, there's got a lot of things I don't, I don't recognize. Bank of Dave is on your list. Uh, Better Off Dead, Under the Skin, Remains of the Day. The, all these things don't, uh, bring up, um, I don't know them. But things I do know you have for listeners. He's got on his list Clueless, Battlefield Earth, Waterboy, Cable Guy. I know those. I know what you're, you're thinking. Those are things Dennis would never pick, but he put them on his list. <laughs> I put, I mean, look, we've been doing this, <laughs> say, five, six Wait, years. You can't start Somebody... a sentence with look. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I can. <laughs> Okay, you're right. You're right. This is an audio medium. Listen, <laughs> listen we've been doing listen. this podcast for like six years. <laughs> some of these movies have been on here a long time. I Some of them I don't even recognize. And then others, I don't know what kind of mood I was in. Maybe I listened to, to Film Sack and they mentioned some. And I was like, oh, I'll put that on the, on the list. Um, all right. We can watch... 
Let's watch Bank of Dave. This is one uh, my parents told me about. Um, it's pretty new, but you can rent it. Uh, no, it's on Netflix, I think. Um, I think it's based on a true story of a guy who decided to set up his own bank or something okay. in, in London, in in England. Okay. And uh, yeah, that's about all I know about it is, is mom recommended it and I'm skimming over the synopsis here so all right let's check that out bank of dave yeah sounds good um we have just a little bit of time here but your our our talk about um water deep and dungeon things uh made me think of anime of course mm-hmm. and i know i've i've been kind of i've not been keeping up with anime i mean i'm several seasons behind or have given up on a lot of stuff that I was watching, um, but I am watching two of the new anime this current season um, that are both kind of fantasy dungeon related. Um, one is called Freerin Beyond Journey's End, uh, which is big. I keep seeing memes and, and stuff about it. Um, I think you'll like that one. I don't think you've seen it. Have you? No, I have not. No. Um, so this is a story about an elf, an elf mage, who goes with a, a party of heroes, right? A, a, a young fighter, right? Like 20, early 20s, um, a dwarf. I don't know what the dwarf does. Maybe they're both fighters. Um, anyway, a younger human, uh, you know, young man, uh, a dwarf and a, a priest cleric who's a little bit older, but like drunk all the time. So they, they keep calling him like corrupt priest (laughs) and they go on a long series of adventures over like years, over a decade, I think. And the show starts at the end of their journey where they're disbanding the party. And just like in Tolkien, the elf is nearly immortal, right? She's okay. I don't think they ever say specifically, but she's at least hundreds, not over a thousand years old. And, um, you know, the, the dwarf lives a little longer. The other two are just normal humans. And then it fast forwards to um just before the young man hero um is near the end of his life and then his funeral like that all happens in the first episode okay and the elf just kind of wanders by herself her name is freer and that's the name of the show um and she just wanders around does odd jobs favors you know little side quests for people just trying to find like old random spells and magic you know because she's basically immortal she just wanders around and and as is kind of introverted and so it's the story of what she does after that um you know a couple of her old party members are still alive but then she'll go to a village where they've built a statue of the young hero 
and he's he's famous everybody knows him and they'll have a flashback to him posing for this statue so they could build a statue and she's like why are we doing this again <laughs> um and it's because it's been um like 80 years since they were adventuring because he dies and then it jumps forward again okay and the, the scenes you know when when the story moves forward like the the present day story we'll wa- we're watching it'll say 28 years from the death of himmel the hero who was that that guy that kid so you know he lived to be an old man and now it's 28 years after he died so they'll be like one they'll go to a village and there'll be one old guy who's like oh are you you look kind of like the elf who traveled with Himmel the hero and that old guy was a little little kid when she was there before but she's the same right because she's an elf yeah. um and i'm just a few episodes into that but it's it's really good and there's a lot of funny um character interaction interaction Awesome. Um, we we have a... the other one. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Yes. Yeah, sorry. The the other one that I'm just like three episodes. It, it's pretty new. I think there are only like six or seven episodes. Um, is called Dungeon Meshi or Delicious in Dungeon in English. Okay. Oh yes. Um, I'm, I'm watching I, that one. And I heard you were you were watching that one. Yeah. It's uh it's cute, right? Mm-hmm. I mean. What a silly premise. I, I actually couldn't believe that was the entire <laughs> premise of the show when I started watching it. I, uh, it starts off with like kind of a, I don't want to say epic story, but a, an adventurous story. And then it, it, delves, it delves into cooking in the dungeon with monsters. So I thought it was, I thought it was fun. Uh, I, yeah, the premise, do you, do you want to describe the premise? Uh, yeah. So, uh, Guy goes in uh, at the very beginning with a party, goes into, they're fighting a dra- gigantic dragon at the bottom of this great big dungeon. And the, um, there's his team gets destroyed. He's like a fighter. And his sister, a caster, mm-hmm. teleports all of them out of the dungeon right as she gets eaten by the dragon. And he has right. to go back and wants to go back and save her, cut open the dragon and resurrect her from his, from her his the dragon's bowels which first off i thought right. that's that's interesting they live in a world that of course that's that would be a thing and then mm-hmm. so he goes to try to get a party but they're all poor they have nothing they can't even survive with food and they get into the dungeon and they're like don't worry we'll we'll make it up you know as we go along we'll figure it out and they just realize that there's a whole bunch of monsters that live in these multiple levels of the dungeon there's got to be a whole ecology there they have to eat things so maybe we can find things to eat and the very first episode they stumble across a mushroom monster and they decide how to cook it and eat it and there's a lot of consternation over we shouldn't be eating Mm -hmm. monsters except the main guy you find out actually always fantasized about what monsters would taste like uh, which is creepy but he's funny and (laughs) then so each episode they end up finding somebody in one of the like very much like the yawning portal tavern in the dungeon and who's like a professional dungeon cook or something um yeah, and every episode they encounter new monsters that they have to, or a new monster that they have to fight, and then they find out how they can cook it, which is just, yeah. it's just silly and absurd. <laughs> it really is, but yeah. I liked it. I, yeah, I like it. Yeah, it's got the, you know, again the the very. It's even more like D and D archetypes than 
than Freerin because you've got the human fighter, you've got a halfling rogue, a elf mage, and then they meet a dwarf who is maybe I don't know if he's a fighter. Seems to be. Kind he's of mostly like just fighter. the. He's mostly just the cook. He's the cook, right? right? Yeah. And yeah, and so they they travel through, and it's the same kind of thing where the the dungeon is just there's just a constant stream of adventurers, and so they'll run into like traders, you know, merchants at various levels. They're going through levels very much like a like a like a video game or like D and D. Yeah. Um, and it's and it's goofy. It has that animation style where the characters' whole heads move when they talk. Yeah, right. Um, and it's yeah, it's just kind of funny and sweet. But one, and, one of the things that kind of makes it funny is that it's not just that they let's say eat the monsters. That's not it's like not put them on fire. They do the whole they do a whole bit like if we saute the 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 loins yeah. watch out because this part is poisonous if you don't if you break the sack and then mix it with some yesterday's mushroom monster and some salt and then paprika and it, it they're making yeah, a stew it's a very like a souffle it's like it's like the asian i don't know if this is japanese or who does does this where that like like they'll have something like a blowfish puffer fish yeah. or something that like parts of it are poisonous right but if you you know because they're monsters and the um, you know, the dwarf is the expert, but there's also stuff he's never tried. And the and the fighter is just so, like, um, recklessly curious that they'll just try some. They're like, this, it's a slime. And the elf, the one female in the party, the elf, is always grossed out. She's like, I am not eating that slime. But she's hungry and they don't have any other food. <laughs> and so the, the, the dwarf would be like, well, if you slice it up like this and you do this to get all the moisture out you can lay it like this between these two things it's you know it's anime so it's very japanese style cooking um then you can put it in your pack and it'll dry out and once it's dried out for then you can take this and you can slice it up and if you saute it in some oil then it does this and you can do this and then you know the food always ends up being delicious <laughs> right um, yeah and like oh it's, my god it's, yeah it's pretty great yeah so i i i do enjoy that one. I, maybe i'll watch a little bit of that tonight that actually feels like a good thing to watch it's, they're not very long they're nice they're i'm, I'm going to use i'm going to say the words it, they're e easily digestible see what i did there so easily di mm -hmm, di digestible mm -hmm. uh, each episode is and and simple to watch so yeah for sure uh, a fun thing well i think we got it all this week we're going to watch bank of dave next week right Mm -hmm. And oh, oh, there's also coming out. I think it's let me look at my calendar here. Oh, yeah, this next week, um, the new Avatar The Last Air Airbender drops on Netflix, which I'm cautiously optimistic for the live action they've got. So, yeah, yeah, fingers crossed. Um, I think I'll check that out too. And then, and then in two weeks after that, Dune launches. Dune 2. Sorry. Dune, Dune, Dune Part 2. Dune Part 2. So hmm. that's coming up really soon. I'm really excited about it. I mean, I just like the first one so nice. much. I thought about reading that before the second movie came out. Oof, good luck. I'm, I'm not going to. Yeah, that's not going to happen. I, I, I don't know if I'll even get myself to sit through the first movie again. Because you I should. didn't see it in theaters. And found it very boring i wonder if but uh, i wonder if it 
They should release it in the theaters beforehand so you could watch it. I'm surprised they, they didn't think about that, doing that. So you could watch the first one and then you know, like the next day go watch the second one. Oh, yeah, maybe. Yeah. But they, not that I know of, they're not doing it at least here. All right. You've been listening to The Front Porch. This is episode 337. Thanks always to our friends at LRM Online. Uh, Fox has reviews on things over there. If you would like to email us everything I'm wrong about Avatar The Last Airbender, you can do that. Our address is frontporchpod at gmail.com, or you can go to our website, frontporchpodcast.com, and find contact forms there to reach out to us. If you enjoy The Front Porch, please consider subscribing on the podcast of your choice. And while you're there, if you'd leave us a five-star review, we appreciate that so much. It helps out with the weird, elusive algorithms. As always, thanks so much for joining us. Until next time, I'm Dennis. And I'm Michael. For The Front Porch. Night, everybody. See you next time.